Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays. Here with me is Jay Jones. Good morning. This is Text Driven Tuesday. And uh, allergies. Ah. You got smacked in the face by real, those allergies? Real bad. Real bad. You got smacked in the face? like Yeah, smith, so, uh, all right, so the Oscars were last night, <laughs> and... Like many people, I didn't know that the Oscars were on last I night. I didn't either. <laughs> I guess uh, 9 million viewers. It's down like 50% from even last year. And last year was down really low. So wow. just fewer and fewer people are watching it. And today, no one really cares about who won any Oscars. They're only thinking about one thing. Yeah. Will Smith. Put it right up there on the screen. Smacking Chris Rock in the face. <laughs> Will Smith slapping the taste right out of his mouth. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, He's still smiling, though. Look at it. He, yeah. He rolled with that well, blow with a smile. Well, there, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's question about whether it was faked or not. Yeah. It didn't look like it was faked. That wasn't fake. The whole, the whole everything that happened around it, like afterwards, uh-huh. it didn't seem fake. Um, so Chris Rock, he's up there. He's, he's making jokes. He's pointing people out and joking, and he points out, Will Smith's wife, uh, Jada, Jada mm-hmm. Pinkett Smith, yeah. and uh, says uh, she's got a she's got some kind of disease that lupecia. makes her makes her hair fall out. Yeah, she it's called called lupecia. It's like okay. autoimmune disorder. Um, Chris Rock says something about he's you know looking forward to GI Jane two number two. Yeah, and Will Smith walks up on the stage and just slaps him right in the face. Yeah. And uh, walks off and yells at him. Yeah, he was. He was yelling big time. Yeah, uh, I, I got to give it to Chris Rock. He took that hit pretty pretty well. I mean, he, he kept his composure pretty well. He yeah. stood right back up like nothing. <laughs> he didn't know exactly what to do afterward, but he he, uh, he rolled with it and kept going. Yeah. What's, yeah. And uh, so Will Smith, he won uh, Best Actor for his um, movie King Richard, which is about uh, Venus and Serena Williams' yeah, father. Yeah, and their dad, yeah. So he gives his speech, and he uh, he apologizes to everyone except for Chris Rock. Right, yeah. <laughs> and he says, he says, love makes you do crazy things. Yeah. That's what he said. Love yeah. makes you do crazy things. Uh-huh. And what's really ironic about this is that um, it's very public knowledge that they have an open marriage. Right. And so um Will Smith he lets his wife sleep with other sleep dudes. with other guys but make a joke about her about her hair and yeah going to come up and slap you. So yeah. you know it rings hollow. Right. Like he's trying to defend her honor or something. Right. Like if you can't defend your wife's honor in the marriage bed. Right. Like anything else that you do is is just uh it's just going to be garbage. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, um, but it also reveals Hollywood elitism, and mm-hmm. nothing happens. Oh yeah, yeah. Nothing I mean, that place happened. was full of cocaine and all <laughs> kinds of stuff last night. And you know, the uh, the police just they like, okay, these people are gonna do all kinds of illegal things tonight, and we're not gonna even be around. Chris Rock, he he declined to press charges. Yeah, that's his that's his freedom. He can do whatever he wants. Um, he right, doesn't, he doesn't have to press charges if he doesn't want to. Um, but the whole defending Will Smith and just kind of brushing it off, and people were people were comforting Will Smith during a commercial break. Yeah, like acting like he's the victim. 
Uh-huh. Like he went up and physically assaulted yeah. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's video of him at an after party dancing and singing to uh getting jiggy with it. Yeah. With his award. With his award. So it it just reveals the hypocrisy. Right. But yeah. uh we also that didn't have any I didn't watch any video of this, but I guess in the opening monologue the uh the perverts were out uh talking about the uh, parental rights bill in Florida. Oh, were they? And uh, chanting gay, 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 because it's a don't say gay right, bill, yeah. right? Yeah, so. They revealed how defending. stupid they were just, on TV? Yeah, just showing how stupid they are. Yeah. 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 So. Well, pedophilia is probably, it's, a it big, was, it's, it a, was, it's part of Hollywood anyway. It was hosted by, I, I don't know if there were women, because I'm not a biologist, but uh, <laughs> I guess three. Who knows? Is it a historic night because it was uh, led by uh, women, or is it not? We don't know what they are. <laughs> don't know what they are. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that's what everyone's talking. Do about. Do women need but, their donor defended? I don't know. What I mean, even is a woman? Yeah. Is it is it sexist to defend a woman's honor? Misogynist? Is he a misogynist? Going it's amazing and, how these things just get turned off, right? Right. Yeah. He should have just waited till after the thing was over and tuned him up. <laughs> I mean, maybe Chris uh, Chris Rock probably shouldn't have made the joke, but I mean, yeah, he's a co- he's a comedian, and but he needed to be seen. See, that's the thing. Yeah, if he just wanted to defend her honor, he could be like, "All right, yeah, we'll see what happens after the cameras are off in the it, back here in the uh, changing room. I'll mm-hmm. shut the door, and we'll see." <laughs> but that ain't how they roll, dude. They got to have it on the TV. He's got to get that. He's got. He had to get back some of his some of his uh his manhood because he's yeah. been humiliated by how she's cheated. Yeah, cheated I mean, on him it, and stuff. Not in this. Not in this instance. But I mean, if you've seen the interview where he's talking about their open marriage, like this is a guy who is he's been shamed. I don't think like, it's op- maybe open by his uh, design because yeah. seems like he had a problem with what she did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. With that dude August or whatever. Yeah. So. But anyway, uh, it's everywhere. Every, all of a sudden, we forgot about Ukraine. That's right. <laughs> Something happening in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Crazy. All right, this isn't a free what a world. Friday, so we probably should move on to the purpose of this podcast. Not talking about Will Smith slapping yeah. Chris Rock in the face. Yeah. So we're back in Habakkuk. This is text driven Tuesday. So we'll look at the sermon that was preached on Sunday. And um, kind of walk through the passage a little bit, draw out some more application. Had a good conversation at our community group about the the passage, so okay, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. But right. uh, we're we're in Habakkuk chapter two. Um, you broke up verses two through five into two mm-hmm. two sermons. Mm-hmm. So you looked at two and three um, last week, and then this past Sunday you did verses four and five. Yeah. So let's. Um, Let's have you read it, then maybe catch us up on this this passage. You don't have to re-preach um, <clears throat> right. the book of Habakkuk, but just kind of where this this passage is fitting in the book. Yeah, and then we'll uh, we'll jump into verses four and five. All right. So I'll just tell you real quick. Uh, this is God's second answer to Habakkuk's complaint. Habakkuk complains two times. First time he complains, "Your people, Israel, are really bad. They're immoral." God says, okay, I'm going to do something about that. First response, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. They're going to judge. They're going to judge the people of Israel. Judah will be taken away into captivity. And he's like, oh, 
Habakkuk complains again. He's like, well, that doesn't make that much sense to me because you're holy and righteous, and you're going to let those that are more wicked swallow up the righteous, more righteous than they are. Mm-hmm. Will the Chaldeans, Babylonians, go on destroying forever? And God's <laughs> like, here's my second answer to you, to your quandary. And it's about God's judgment, um, that his judgment's going to come. But that's prefaced with this statement in 2 through 5, which is um, about really, it's about salvation by faith alone. It's about the trustworthiness of God's promise to deal with suffering and evil. God's going to deal with suffering and evil and the wicked, and the righteous will live by faith. That's the key phrase in these passages. And so the last week we looked at the foundation of faith, like how can we trust God and believe God, know that he will judge the wicked and establish righteousness in the world, and the foundation of faith is just God's Word. Then today we look, we look in particular at faith. So I'll read the passage now. This is God's second response, the first part of his second response, because the the woes come next week. Are you uh, missing something? Do you need oh, to yeah, be yeah. Plugged Do I in? need to plug this thing yeah, in? Yeah, you might want to plug it in. So people can see it? Good yep. call, buddy. Good call. You're probably wondering where that was, Larry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, plugged in. Here there we, we go. go. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as white as Sheol, like death he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. So we focused on verses 4 and 5. In Mm -hmm. particular, really, uh, the emphasis is on contrasting the person who has faith. This is what the the key phrase is, but the righteous will live by faith. That is a comparison. Mm -hmm. God's making a contrast, but tells you that. But who's he comparing this person who has faith to? It's the proud, wicked, self-righteous. So that's... That's kind of the idea. Three contrasts okay. that are drawn by the opposite or antithesis of faith. Okay. So that's it. Yeah. All right. You didn't use perspicuity last week, but you use antithesis, antithesis this week. So, you like that? Yeah. Very nice. Where are my notes? All right. So I was, uh, I had a raging headache on Sunday. I mean, feeling nauseous. That's how yeah. bad my headache was. That's not good. Um, so. I forgot to bring paper, so I just have my bulletin. So we'll see. I had to cram just all my scratched notes in it there. out there. I uh, tried to keep my head down, so you didn't see that my eyes were closed most of the time. <laughs> uh, I was awake. I was paying attention as best I could, but uh, wow. just looking at you was causing me physical oh, no. pain in my head. You're sitting Jay. in the light too, <laughs> on the light side. Oh yeah, the left side is the sun sunshine side. Yep, it's just that time of the year in in Oklahoma. All the all the trees are blooming and. Uh, it's rough. Yeah. So, all right. So we have the uh, we have the three contrast between saving faith and unbelief. Yeah. Right. Um, maybe maybe before we get into those three, maybe give a definition of what saving faith is. 
what is faith? Because there's a lot of, of different definitions about faith. Right. Uh, you got the you have the word of faith movement that uses faith <clears throat> like it's the force mm-hmm. in Star Wars, and you can use the faith, you know, use faith to do things. Right. So right. what what is what is faith and what is saving faith in mm. particular? <clears throat> so faith is you can get closer to it by the word believe, but even that doesn't really quite get to it. Um, because faith contains more than just knowing information. Right? Mm-hmm. So believe you can believe something to be true and not have faith in it. Yeah, the the reformers <clears throat> they talked about three kind of a movement. Uh huh. There's there's knowledge. Yeah. Then there's assent to that knowledge. Mm-hmm. I I I agree. This is true. Yep. And then there is faith. Yeah. Yeah. So you can think of it. Somebody tells you who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. They they've got to lay out the basic information. Right. Right. He is God in the flesh, born of a virgin, fully God, fully man, sinless man, lived a perfect life, died on a cross for sinners, was buried, was raised from the dead on the third day. Okay. So the go- so the gospel message itself is the communication of information. Yeah. So there's that, but that doesn't mean you have faith. Right. Then someone may actually take the next step and say, "I believe that's probably all true." Mm-hmm. Like I, I've I've told you before about one guy I spent all summer with. He came to that point. Yeah. How you come to the point of believing all that <clears throat> and Jesus rose from the dead and then not actually having faith in him? I don't know. Right. It comes down to the sin. The, how how deeply rooted sin is in us, mm-hmm. but uh, faith is trust, right? That's going. Um, I am putting all of my trust in what Jesus did to save me. Yeah, right. That's different. It's like um, um, like driving across a bridge. You know, you can uh, collect all the info about that information. Uh, who built it, where all the materials were made at, and then you could see, if you wanted to be like super weird, you could like look at how it was constructed and get all the inspections and mm-hmm. see, oh, it'll actually support a car. And then you could go, nah, but I don't really, I'm not really trusting it. Yeah, That's what people do. But you drive across the bridge, now you're having faith. Mm-hmm. That's trust. You're it, trusting the bridge does what it's designed to do. And in Oklahoma, it really does take faith to, to drive across, drive across bridges a bridge. in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sure does. Yeah, they're looking a little rough. But yeah, so you 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 have the information of the gospel. God says that He will save anyone who comes to Christ, and you jump in mm-hmm. with all of who you are. Right. Uh, to you bank your whole existence on Christ and you trust him mm-hmm. it's like you it's like trusting a person right you um you don't trust like like someone you know like a good friend or your wife you trust that person mm-hmm. the more you trust them the more you give them of yourself really you know yeah. um, but you don't do that with strangers right. even if you know all the, these facts about them mm-hmm. you're like I, I don't know you <laughs> right. So there's a relational component to trusting Jesus or trusting God. Mm-hmm. Faith in God is that. It's taking God at his word, you have information about him, and then you believe that he'll do what he says he does, and then you 
it's like a, an untrusting of yourself and a trusting of him mm-hmm. to do what he says he'll do. Yeah. So God has revealed what he's going to do to Habakkuk mm-hmm. and through Habakkuk to Judah. Yep. And so there is a call to trust, to trust what trust God, mm-hmm. trust what he's going to do, trust what he said. And it's contrasted with people who won't. Right. Right. Uh-huh. And especially the Babylonians. Right. Right. Okay. So the first uh, this first contrast between this kind of saving faith is between pride and humility. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Got it. Okay, so let's let's again. I think definitions are in order. So by pride, what what do you mean? Because my my wife was asking me this morning, what's the difference between pride and having confidence? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, in this context, we just take it from this passage. Pride is uh, a matter of, we're talking about spiritual pride. Mm-hmm. Well, there's really only one kind. It's a spiritual problem. Um, having confidence in yourself, I mean, you got to have it, right? If, you're, if you play baseball, you're going to fail three, uh, you're going to only be successful three times out of ten if you're like the best. Yeah. Now, you can't walk around the world all mopey or you <laughs> right. won't get any hits out of ten. Uh-huh. So there's a there's an issue of confidence. I've got to have confidence in myself and be positive. Or that's different than having pride. Pride is ha- thinking of yourself in a way you shouldn't think about yourself. Like if you put in, if you're good at a skill, mm-hmm. you ought to be confident in it because you've put in time. You're competent. You're good at the skill. But to but pride is like thinking you're good at something when you're not, <laughs> right? Like. It's like thinking you're, uh, if you stick with the baseball metaphor, it's like walking around like you're Ted Williams and you've got uh, a Joey Gallo average, which is like 198. Okay. You know what I mean? But I think that, I think even if you're good at something, you can have an arrogance. Sure. Yeah. Is there a way that we could distinguish between those? Um, all I, all I can say is you know it when you see it. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> I don't know if I can describe it for you. You know it when you see it, right? Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you do. You yeah. do. Um, but, I think, but I think different, that, different personalities will kind of display it yeah. differently. I mean, some people, they they put off, I mean, they're they're super confident. Yeah. Right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're... I think they're arrogant. I think when you come to when it comes to the arrogance, what what would happen? A person that's really good at something and very confident at it differs from the person who's really good at something and prideful about it. And it's that they know they're that way because because of God. Mm. Right? The person who's really proud and and good at something thinks it's all about them. Okay. And they'll even think they're better than other people's people. Right. Whereas the person who would be like like I mean, Albert Pujols is a good example, mm. maybe the best overall right-handed hitter to ever live. No one's ever said that he's arrogant or prideful. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't come across that way whenever you hear yeah. him being interviewed. And I, I think that's because he knows all his skill mm-hmm. and talent comes from God because mm. he's a professing believer. Yeah. Um. So I think that that may be the difference. Pride gets into the area of I did this. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is kind of kind of comes up from something yeah. that's in me. Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. 
So yeah, that's good. <clears throat> okay. When it comes to Habakkuk, he makes it clear pride is like a spiritual problem. Mm-hmm. Behold, his soul is puffed up. Mm. It's not upright within him. Yeah, that's different than having a, just a uh, like I. <laughs> what I said in the sermon is we tend to maybe think that pride is just like a. It's like a. What's the term I'm looking for? It's it's an inconvenient behavior we observe. It's in an people. annoyance. Yeah, it's like it's an, an annoyance. annoyance. We see someone who's who's yeah. prideful, and we don't really like being around that person. We think, and we may even think, well, you know, this is something people can just unlearn. Like mm. it's this is just a a wrong way of thinking. Uh-huh. It's just that what's going on between your ears. And if that's the case, well, we can teach. We could just teach someone to reform and like not be so prideful, right? And that's not really the problem. The problem is a spiritual issue. Mm. Their soul. This is a soul issue. Their yeah. soul is puffed up. And what's that's what's being contrasted here. This idea of being puffed up. I, I always kind of picture it as this person that's got like their chest chest out, mm-hmm. walking around, kind of strutting. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah? Is that yeah. Kind of what? Yeah, they're they believe their self. They're they're total. They believe in total self reliance. Mm. What's uh, there's got to be a word for that that captures it all in one. Um, they just they believe that they don't need anything except for what they can do and what they can get for themselves. They are enough <clears throat> for themselves, and so they're they're puffed up. I like the uh, so in in Psalm seventy three the um, Asaph is kind of looking at the wicked mm-hmm. and he's he's saying that I was when I saw the wicked I was I was envious of them because it looks like they have no problems and one of the ways that he describes them is he says that they set their mouths against heavens uh, the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth yeah and I, I always like that imagery of I mean it's, it's like cartoonish, a cartoonish like this this tongue that's just kind of strutting around boastful and bragging right that's what the proud person is like mm-hmm. they're like a rooster strutting around uh-huh. yeah their mouth yeah right that's good yeah <clears throat> so that's that's the prideful person their soul it's a soul problem spiritual problem it's it's down it's something that can't be reformed out okay and then and this th- is this is um you said that this is maybe the root huh. of what all it may be all, the, all sin it may be the root of all sin yeah uh, you know i didn't do an in-depth dive i'm sure somebody has written about it mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know in my in my research on the problem of evil people speculate about how satan fell mm-hmm. and the best explanation is that he self-tempted yeah and the self-temptation was <laughs> that he thought that he was better than he is mm-hmm like he began to see himself as glorious and beautiful and cuz apparently he's a pretty amazing being that God made. Mm-hmm. And so his sin as people speculate was instead of rendering unto God what was God's due for being the greatest being, he began to think of himself in that way. He self-corrupted. Right. Through pride, which there's a mystery. And there's a, a mystery all a mystery all related, there. but right. and then people speculate that the pride was at the heart of the root of the fall because mm-hmm. Adam and Eve begin to think of like, hey, God's whole he's held one thing out on me. Like I deserve to have that. Yeah. John kind of brings that out in first John chapter two, that um the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride mm-hmm. of life. Yeah. Um is it's kind of parallel to what's going on with Eve in right. Genesis three, 
So yeah. there's this pride that's that's going into it. Um, Heath Lambert has um, he has a book uh, called Finally Free. It's it's about pornography. Mm. It's about how to finally break free of pornography. And he has a whole chapter on on pride. And he says that that pornography is a pride issue. Mm. That there that that at the root of it, there's arrogance. This isn't going to hurt me. It's not going to hurt anybody else. I'm not going to get caught. Um, there's no consequences. And and he says at the root of it, there's there is arrogance. Mm. There's pride. And I remember the first time I read that, like it hits it hits pretty hard. Right. And when you start thinking about all these other sins, I mean, just stop for a second and think about what sin do you struggle with? What what's something that just is kind of a recurring thing? Mm-hmm. And I think that if you really stop and really are honest i think you'll see that there's there's pride that that really is is at the core of it yeah um there's something that is about self yeah um and so i i, I like that and I, I like that you brought that out that this is a spiritual problem and it really is probably the root spiritual problem right so what's the <clears throat> so what all right so there's several different things i want to talk about um i guess the first thing is um how subtle Right, pride is, mm-hmm. and you you talked about several things, so I I, I wanted to kind of hit on that a mm-hmm. little bit because, like, with thinking about, for instance, pornography mm-hmm. as being a pride issue, when people talk about pornography and and the problems that it causes, not just in the world but in the church, uh, we don't really think about pride and arrogance as being a a part of that because it's it's so subtle, right. Yeah, I think when you get so if you go maybe go in layers, um, lust uh-huh. is why people look at pornography. Why do people lust? Well, because they think they deserve to mm. have that secret satisfaction, uh-huh. right? Why would anyone lust about a woman walking by yeah. and look at her longer than they should, and then begin in their mind? But well, because their mm. the pride tells them you deserve to have that pleasure. Right. Uh-huh. It's not hurt. It's not hurting anybody, right? Um, I think, and I think you can get it at if you go in those steps, and you you're gonna eventually end up back at that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that I deserve this, yeah, right? Or even like if you anger, venting anger, you talk about like pow, like Will Smith smacks a dude. Right. Maybe you don't smack a dude. Maybe you re- yell at somebody. Mm-hmm. You think you've been wronged. You think you deserve not to be wronged. You think you deserve to have people know your frustration. Well, why do you think that? Right. Maybe you think too highly of yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think it, I, th- I really think it, it's it's at the center of all, of all the things that mm-hmm. we do. Yeah. And it's it's sneaky. You you yeah. said that it's it's the sneaky sin. It's really sneaky mm-hmm. because you'll you you may even start to think, well, I'm not prideful. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and then you are. Oops. Guess what? You're right. You found out. You actually are. Right. <laughs> right. It's the sin that that is. It's waiting in the shadows to stab you in the back. Yeah. Like even in the best of things is that it we a traitor. It's it is. It's like a traitor. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to I wanted to, to ask you about that verse in just a second. But yeah. you uh, you were talking a little bit about um, how pride is subtle. It's sneaky. Um, and you brought up a, a few areas mm-hmm. in which pride is really subtle, and it can 
it can really creep up on us and we may not even be thinking about it. Um, one of them that uh, was it, it caused some, some interesting conversation in our community group was you said that it can even creep up into how you think about your church. Mm-hmm. And we can get to the point where we are prideful about our church. Right. We, we've got the best church in town. Um, all these other churches, you know, are lacking something that we have. Um, and I have to, I have to stop and examine myself in that regard also. Right. But the question that, that came up was how do we, how do we prevent that kind of pride? Like what, what do we do when we talk to other people? So I won't call out any, any names or any, any churches, but we, we in our private conversations have talked about some, some churches by name. Right. And we say that they've got some real problems. Mm-hmm. They've, the, the, preaching is, the preaching is weak. It's watered down. It's moralism. Um, when we talk to people and we're trying to tell them, maybe you shouldn't stay there. Maybe come over to our church. How do you, how do you go about preventing that kind of pride that says, our church is better than your church. Um, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because because I was I was telling people, um, put put yourself in their shoes. If mm. if someone were to come to you and and talk about you know one of us, right, in that way, right. Um, I've got a problem with your pastor. I've got a problem with your church. How would you respond? You you would not like it. Sure. You would you would react. You would react probably with with anger or offense. Mm-hmm. Um, well, these people they they love their church. They probably love their pastor. They they feel the same way. Uh, how do you how do you navigate that conversation? Because I, I think we do have a healthy church. Mm-hmm. It's not a perfect church. We've we've got our own problems. We're we're filled with sinners. Um, foremost are these two guys, <laughs> you know, um, so how do you, how do you go about navigating that? Is there, is there a way you can navigate about it or is, or is it true you don't talk about politics and religion? No, I, I think it, it comes down to just an, I think in a, a, how your heart is in that regard, because you can look down your nose at other people pretty, pretty easily, mm-hmm. right? Um Sometimes other churches are just doing the best that they can, mm-hmm. and maybe it's hard to distinguish between the two. Then there are those that I think it's more clear that they're this, they're running a business, they're producing a product. Um, that doesn't still mean you don't you know you're not going to look down your nose at them. I think it just means like maybe they're not given as much grace as like the other church who. You know, their pastor's just doing the best he can with what God has given him. And maybe their church lacks a lot of stuff theologically and even, you know, the whole the whole nine. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's different than the church that's got Star Wars TIE fighters <laughs> out yeah. front. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? Right. <clears throat> um, but you can do it, I think, in a way that you're not... You're not coming at it from this place, oh, we're up here, you guys are down here, mm-hmm. we figured out things that you haven't yet, you need to come here and listen to us. Now, there are people here at our church right now that are members that used to be parts of other churches, 
And I really so badly wanted to just to be like, why do you go to that church? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a woman pastor, yeah, and like there's so many things to me that are clear red flags. Um, God brought them over here anyway, mm -hmm. you know. Um, maybe asking questions is a good way. Like, what what do you like about your church? I like this. Uh, why do why do you like that? Why do you think that's good? Like, what what book of the Bible do you know more this year than you did last year? Mm. Is there one? Um, and then sometimes they'll you know usually they'll be like I don't know maybe not and like have you ever asked like why? And then just maybe talk positively about your church yeah. and not even say anything negative about theirs. Yeah, you know what I mean. So mm -hmm. don't say anything negative about theirs. Just ask questions and then speak positively about your church. Mm. Yeah, you know the the answer I I kind of landed on when I was uh, we were talking was um, remembering that the health of our church is not due to us. Mm -hmm. God has been really good to us. It's, yeah, it's not the like, health of our church is not ultimately the product of. Um, good leadership and you know our strategizing or or anything that we're doing it's all because of God's grace and that goes back to kind of what we were talking about before with the confident competent person mm -hmm. that's not prideful yeah it's because he thinks God gave me all this mm -hmm. everything I have I I didn't yeah gain for myself right and I think we can I think we can criticize and even mock bad bad churches and bad pastors in a way that is not arrogant mm -hmm. you see it in in the bible right i mean um the prophets jesus paul they they mock false teachers um and it's not in a it's not in an, an arrogant way right it's it is in a a way that's righteous mm -hmm. um but i i, I think that always coming back and saying if it wasn't for God's grace I'd be at this church mm -hmm. or I'd be this I'd be this pastor that was um just always cracking jokes and talking about myself in the service mm -hmm. like if it wasn't for God's grace I I'd be just like that or maybe even worse mm -hmm. is that yeah you could be beardless i could god's be grace. beardless without god's grace oh the horse the horse <laughs> imagine george in a, in a different universe <laughs> george george sits down when he preaches uh -huh. on a stool with right. a flat table mm -hmm. is beardless i've got my i've got my soy soy latte is beardless and dresses like he's presenting the next iphone uh-huh <laughs> got my turtleneck on without god's grace that's where you'd be <laughs> Uh, how uh, we get off on these tangents and I'm trying to come back to serious stuff and I just don't know how to, I don't know how to transition back. <laughs> George, it's about, you asked about how to not be proud. That's I mean, right. And it's not just about the church. You can become right. proud because of your learning in theology. Oh, absolutely. Big time, Absolutely. Right? So that's what I was trying to say. It's like super sneaky like yeah. this, right? Um, one of the one of the areas that you brought up, I think that would be helpful, is you said that having a constant lack of assurance of your salvation is a product of pride. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have to unpack that a little bit for us, brother. <clears throat> okay, uh, <it's... laughs> because that that is, um, I mean, I, I've said it before. That that's one of the most common 
reasons that someone comes and talks to me for counseling is they just don't know. How do I know? And it's it, not just this church. Like every church I've been at, I've I've had to counsel yeah. one or two people on. I don't know if I'm a Christian. How do I know I'm a Christian? And I I would agree with you, but we need to unpack it a little bit. So it's like one of those pictures, you know, they used to be popular when we were younger. You'd like get real close to them. They're made out of all dots. Uh-huh. And you put your nose on it and you back up and then eventually a picture emerges. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm talking about? I never uh, I never put my nose okay. on it. To well, you got to get close. Yes, I know. You get close, I know right? I know. <laughs> Trick I know your eyes. About. Yeah. Once you see it, right, you never can unsee it. Uh-huh. That's what this is like. Right. Once this, once you realize this, um, you're never going to be able to unrealize it, and then you're going to understand all of your lack of assurance comes down to you being prideful about yourself. Yeah. So what happens is a person lacks assurance. They're struggling with assurance of salvation. Am I really a Christian? Always, 100% of the time, it's because they're thinking about something they did, something they said, something they thought, some attitude they had, or some way they feel. Mm-hmm. And that's all about you. Yeah, That's nothing about Jesus. That's all about you, 100%. Right. What that gives away, if you'll actually dig deeper on it, is that you think there's a way you can be that will make God happier at you. Mm. Yeah. And that's because you're not understanding. God is pleased with you because of what Christ has done. And he's given you the righteousness of Christ, and therefore he'll never be unpleased with you again. Right. Ever. He'll only ever be pleased with you because you have the righteousness of Christ. Mm. Can we grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin? Sure. But that does not affect that we have the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. So we, but we can think we have right standing with God, or we can improve it based off of our ability, like like what we're doing. Yeah. So when we fail, like when it, inevitably you're going to fail. Sometimes you're going to fail big. Hopefully you'll never, you know, smack someone on the in the face on live TV. But even <laughs> if you did. Even if you did, I like how that's like the ultimate <laughs> offense for you. <laughs> I know. Well, it's it's such an embarrassing thing, right? It's so, right. It's so public. Uh-huh. Um, even if you did something stupid publicly like that, embarrassed yeah. yourself and your family, it, the place you're going to go is: Am I really a Christian? A Christian would never do that, right? And, and that's just a matter of pride. Yeah. Um, you're thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about. You're not thinking about what Christ did, and it may it may not be a, like a huge, massive thing. It could just be like a you're not having a good year. A bad series of bad things have mm-hmm. happened, and but it always comes down to that. You're thinking about yourself, and you're not thinking about what what God has done for you. Yeah, and it's that simple. Like once you see, once you see it, you can never unsee it again. Yeah, right. Let's uh, let's talk about verse five real quick. Okay. This is slam dunk for uh, getting rid of all right. all drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's one that people will will definitely use. Uh-huh. I've seen it numerous times. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. Yeah. Okay. So what what what's going on in this verse? So you 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 tied this into the the pride. Mm-hmm. So moreover, his soul, his soul is puffed up. Moreover, gives that away. Moreover, wine is a traitor. Right. Okay, so what's what's he talking about here? So verse 5 communicates one truth, really, 
and three illusions or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what the correct term is. Okay. Three layers. There's like three layers to this cake. Okay. <laughs> it's a bean dip. It's a pride cake. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's it's the pride cake that God bakes. Okay, <laughs> it's the one He would bake, and it's how you know. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm getting at. Uh, I guess, and it's not I'll in just, the good light. I'll just follow <laughs> along. <laughs> right, you don't want this cake. Right, you don't want to be okay. in this cake. All right. All right, so the pride, the prideful, arrogant person who cannot have salvation, er, cannot cannot. Exercise saving faith because they're so proud, they're so mm. self reliant, their soul is puffed up. What else are they like? They're like uh, an alcoholic. That okay. Wine is a traitor, kind of gets at what happens to an alcoholic. Um, they think they have mastery of wine, but what, what is actually happening? Wine's a traitor. It has mastery of them. Okay. And so they need more and more and more. They're never satisfied. There, there's never an enough. interesting footnote. Right in the ESV that uh-huh. says that um, the Dead Sea Scrolls has wealth. Yeah, the same same concept. It's, whether you put wealth or wine, it gets to the same idea of never being satisfied with the things of the world. But thinking because you're prideful, you could satisfy yourself with the things of the world, mm-hmm. and so you try to get all that you can. So whether it's wine or wealth. Um, I think maybe the tendency is to uh, make it greed. Greed is the next one. Mm -hmm. So maybe I I don't really know what happened with the Dead Sea Scroll things, and um, but I can see how it could get turned to to wealth because they're like, oh well, greed's right there. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, wine. um, What happened to Belshazzar? What was he doing? When uh, his king, oh, yeah. when his kingdom uh-huh. was taken away, yeah, having a party, it's been a big, drinking, big drinking drunk fest. Right, they were all getting hammered. Because mm-hmm. um, and that gets to who they are as the Babylonians. Kind of is the like centerpiece for right. a prideful person who doesn't <clears throat> trust in God. They're getting they're getting drunk, uh-huh. and then the handwriting comes on the wall. Right. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, but it's it's not really about hey don't ever drink because wine's bad because there are tons of old testament passages that actually speak about how wine is a blessing from god yeah and it, god gave it to man to make men's hearts glad but like i said if you're a teetotaler i'm not going to try to convince you of that it's not important to me if that's your conscience if that's what you what you do then go ahead you know but this passage is really not about that it's about i mean if you've ever known an alcoholic they think they're in control, but they're not in control. Wine's in control of them. Um, and they think they're in control because they're prideful, right? Right. And so it's this destruct- destructive thing that happens. But it also occurs with someone who's greedy. That's the next one. The greedy person needs can never be satisfied. Even if they're a billionaire, they need more. Mm-hmm. They're like Sheol or they're like death. Death never has enough. The grave never has enough. People keep dying. That's the imagery. The grave doesn't go, okay, that's enough dead people, right? And the greedy person, the prideful greedy, same thing. And the the Babylonians, um, he gathers for himself all nations. That's another clear picture of the Babylonians. They swallow up nations like that. Right. More nations, more nations, give me more, give me more captives, keep conquering, keep conquering. Almost like Alexander the Great. Mm -hmm. You know, he could never conquer enough. Right. It was never enough for him. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is the this is what pride is 
pride is a spiritual issue. It's not it's not something we we kind of take it lightly. You talked about how we we just kind of it's a it's an annoyance. Right. But the scriptures are clear that pride will destroy you. Yeah. Right? Pride goes before destruction. Uh-huh. Is that it doesn't go before being embarrassed publicly. So it's not something that we can just be like, well, you know, this is this is just my my character. Like this is just my personality. Yeah, pride keeps you from coming to God. Mm-hmm. Because you think you are good enough where you're at, like you, yeah. you think, and it's at the root of every religion. Yeah, that's why every religion is what it is. Is it's uh, it's you at the center of it. Ultimately, you doing doing the religion's things in order to gain the acceptance of the deity yeah. or the universe or whatever, and then you'll be accepted into heaven or. You'll become nothing if you're a Buddhist or whatever, right? But you're the center of it all, and it's all based on your performance. And the reason men create religions like that is because we are super prideful, right? <laughs> yeah. So if this is if this is the danger of pride, and it's so subtle, and without getting rid of this pride, and and again the contrast between pride and humility. Saving faith, right? Right. If if you can't if you can't be saved while you're holding on to this this kind of pride, mm-hmm. what do we do? Like you, you said at the beginning, we can't really reform ourselves right. out of this. Uh-huh. What what's the um, what do we do? What what's the solution? Is there an antidote to this pride? Well, yeah. I mean, the antidote is found in the promises of God. That's the precursor to all of this. So the foundation of all of it is to is to believe God. Right. So we know, you know, we can get into more New Testament theology about this. We'd get way off topic about regeneration, but what it comes down to is that God has already spoken and he's told you what needs to needs to happen. You need to trust him alone and not trust yourself. Yeah. Um and of course we know that will take uh, a miracle. That will take the work of the Holy Spirit. But that's still the call. The promise is there. Come to Come to Christ, trust Him alone, you'll be saved. The righteous live by faith. Um, so the answer is to humble yourself. Jesus gave a parable about it, right? We Did we talk about it last week? I don't think we did. You know, the parable that He tells a tax collector and the sinner. And the tax collector. Oh, the Pharisee and the, the tax collector. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Pharisee and the tax collector. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, uh, the Pharisee's like a Pharisee. Yeah. He's proud. And he compares himself to other people. Uh, there, there are two things. It's you can interesting. Imagine. We hear we hear the word Pharisee, and we immediately think the bad guy. But when Jesus is talking about the Pharisees, the common understanding is they're the good guys, right? Right. Like these are the people that you want to be like the super, yeah, the super religious. Yeah. So when he tells this parable, then it it's going to hit with some force. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a good observation. So this this Pharisee. If you read it in Luke eighteen nine through fourteen, he's proud. He's 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 he is self righteous. He compares himself to other people. He says I like half a dozen times right. in his in his quote unquote prayer. Yeah, right. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, like that's not a good way to start your prayer. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. And he lists them all, extortioners, uh-huh. unjust, adulterers. Even like this guy. This tax collector. Check, check this guy out. <laughs> who everybody hated. Right. I'm not like the They're, tax They are the bad guys the bad in guys, that time. Yeah. Right. 
And then he says, so he's, he compares himself to other people. That's what pride always does. Mm-hmm. Spiritual pride before God always makes a comparison, and you're always the hero. Mm. You're the hero of your own story. Yeah. And you think God should be proud of you for that, <laughs> right? And then, and then, and then, also, what you see in this Pharisee is that he has a foolish trust in his own works. I I fast twice a week. I tithe all that I get. You know, so he's he's banking on his performance before God, as if God would be impressed. And then, what you see for this humble man, this tax collector, is he has a correct estimation of himself. He only sees himself as a sinner before a holy God. That's it. He's not comparing himself to others. He's comparing himself to a holy God. I'm a sinner. Be merciful to me. And that's the second thing. Is he seeing himself that way? He doesn't bank on his works. He throws himself on the mercy and grace of God. They're the complete opposites of each other. Hmm. And then Jesus gives the warning, right? Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So the answer is humble yourself before a holy God. And cast yourself on his mercy. Yeah. That's it. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, that's the uh, that's the first that's the first contrast. Yeah. Um, so there's the the contrast between the arrogant, the proud, and those who have humility, mm-hmm. saving faith. The second one is um, there's a contrast between the unrighteous and the righteous. Mm-hmm. This uh, this line, this this last line of verse four, is it's, it's the verse that changed the world, right? Right. And this this sparked the Reformation. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul uses this. The author of Hebrews uses this. But the righteous shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. But there's the unrighteous, right? That the one whose his soul is puffed up is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Mm-hmm. All right, so explain explain it a little bit for us. So the the one whose soul is puffed up and is also not upright. Mm-hmm. Right, the word what does that mean to be not upright before God? Right, it means that you fail to be in conformity with some standard. So some conf- some standard of justice or law, or some standard of some custom. You're not in conformity with that, so you're not upright. We even it even kind of is in our lingo. He's not an upstanding citizen, mm-hmm. or not. You know what I mean? What does that mean? Right. He's that. Well, that probably means he's a criminal. Right. <laughs> so it's still even kind of in English. Mm-hmm. Um, so his soul is not upright. He's not in conformity with what God requires, and the opposite of that is righteousness, mm-hmm. which is in conformity with what God requires in heart. And that's the important thing, is it's not just to keep an outward outward appearance of being righteous, it's that your heart is right with God. So that's that's what's being contrasted here. There's the unrighteous and there's the righteous, and the only difference between the two here is the righteous are that way by faith. Mm. It's It's pretty clear, right? Right. It's just right there. Yeah. And that's this is the thesis of Romans. Paul unpacks it in the book of Romans. <laughs> so I think I told you, I think I forgot to tell it to the uh, to the church. What's funny is that today, like you got you got Paul unpacking this passage in great detail in Romans. Yeah. Like he lays out a case for 
three and a half chapters and before he just like drops the explicitly clear statement that we're saved by faith and this is so God could be just and the justifier of as one in faith in Christ. And then he illustrates it and applies it and then he gets into how you live by this truth. Like it's this massive book all unpacking this truth. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. But there are people today that go, Paul wasn't right about Habakkuk. Right. <laughs> like like he got it wrong. Or we've or we have for five hundred years misunderstood right. what Paul's saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, how can how can you do that, right? Like he's he's right there, right? He is alive when the other disciples are alive. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, he has this whole background. So like if you want ex- if you want an expert in the law, I mean, that's Paul. Paul knows the the law. He knows the Old Testament way mm-hmm. better than some modern scholar or even some modern rabbi. Rabbis yeah. will accuse Paul of being wrong. Like he was a rabbi, like <laughs> okay. way before, way before. Uh-huh. Like he knows the Old Testament. That's pride. Yeah. If there's pride, pride is saying you know Habakkuk mm-hmm. better than Paul does. Yeah. Right. Um, and he unpacks it all clearly. Yeah. So, um, of course, it's the language of a law court. Right. And Paul's not using the Roman law court. Some people make that error. They think Paul's appealing to the Roman legal mind, but he's not. He is using the Old Testament law. And in the Old Testament law court, there's uh, an accuser, which is not a public a public prosecutor like we have. If you would accuse someone of, of uh, breaking God's standards, his rules, his laws— then you must make that accusation yourself. So you become before the the judge. There's you, the accuser, or maybe you, the defendant. Accuser, defendant, judge. And God's word is the standard. And so maybe somebody accuses you of defrauding them. You know, like you didn't pay me for the sheep or whatever. And you're like, no, I actually did. We agreed on this, and you know, whatever. So the guy hears the court, the case, the judge, and he's going to make a ruling. It's a legal declaration according to God's law, and the ruling will be righteous or unrighteous. And it means you are in conformity with what God requires, or you are not. And if you are not in conformity with what God requires, you are unjust and unrighteous. So the legal declaration is Paul's right. He's unpacking this whole thing. And his whole the whole thing he unpacks is, look, there are two people in the world, the unrighteous and the righteous, those that are righteous before God, that are upright in heart before Him, that meet all of His requirements, that are saved, are that way because of Christ alone, and their salvation in Him by faith. No human works, and that's the only difference in these two groups. In the universal law court of God, His law is the standard, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm. And that's really bad news, because that means everyone's in the unrighteous camp. And how do you get in the righteous camp? By God's grace, through and it's through faith, and that's it. And that's that's all that's all of the first part of Romans. Yeah. And he's unpacking this verse. Okay. Now, this isn't brand new to Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't brand new to Paul. It's not right. brand new to Habakkuk. Yeah. This this has been the case for the entirety of of Scripture. Right? Uh huh. Right. Yeah, I mean, it becomes explicitly clear, though, when God um, declares Abraham to be righteous, mm-hmm. uh, 
or in conformity with what God requires. What does God require of this pagan? <laughs> we forget he's a pagan, right. after all, right? Mm-hmm. There's no Mosaic law. There's no things, steps, uh, works that Abraham must do to get God's grace and mercy. God comes to Abraham in grace and mercy, and really he preaches to him the gospel, like not ex- maybe as explicitly as we would get, uh, but he gives him the promise of the of, of what he's going to do through Abraham's offspring. Mm-hmm. And and Hebrews does he tells us that Abraham even was looking beyond the promise of the promised land to right. this greater uh-huh. this greater city or kingdom. Yeah. And what does Paul tell us? He unpacks and he's just quoting from the Old Testament that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him it was counted to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. So how did Abraham become upright in heart before God? He heard the promises of God and he believed God or he trusted God. And that and God counted him righteous. Mm. So he's called the father of like our forefather in the faith or whatever, you know. Yeah. Now what's what's important for us to understand is that when God counts Abraham or anybody as righteous, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that he's looking at Abraham's life and saying, This is a righteous man. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um Again, because the people that God are, is declaring to be righteous are all unrighteous. Mm-hmm. He's declaring them to be righteous based off of their their trust in His promise, and we and we believe, I think, clearly that the promises in the Old Testament or even how we do are all centered on Christ, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's not a it's this is justification, yeah. Right. This is justification. God justifies. Paul says the ungodly, mm-hmm. um, and this is a righteousness that is not. It's not. A, so this would be a distinction between us and, and Rome, right? Right. So Rome would say God infuses righteousness into a sinner, uh-huh. making them able to justify themselves, righteous. Right? Yeah. But what? we believe Paul to be saying is that God actually gives to sinners a, an alien righteousness, right. a foreign righteousness, mm-hmm. a righteousness that's not their own. Right. Yeah, Paul says it in Philippians 3. Um, so I'll, I'll read Philippians 3, beginning in verse 7. Now, he had all of the pedigree, right? Mm-hmm. He could trace his lineage back. I can't remember how many generations to be a true Israelite. He's a Pharisee. He is the keeping of the law. He's blameless, he says. I do whatever God requires under the law, I've kept the law. He's not saying he's not a sinner. But then he says, whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Now, I explained this term. It's like, if you think you can be justified before holy God based off your wor- of your works, rubbish, uh, we talked about it in Sunday school, some people like to translate it as the S cuss word. Mm-hmm. That gets close, but that's not bad enough. <laughs> right? I'll explain okay. to you what rubbish is. All right. So in the Roman world, they had plumbing. This may be a shocker to some people. They had pressurized plumbing up to three stories if you were a wealthy person. The Roma aqua, Roman aqueduct systems. Mm-hmm. Well, you create water pressure by gravity, and they could do that. So you'd have bathrooms and uh, up three stories, toilets. But not if you're like everybody. If you're just a regular everyday 
guy like me and you and most everyone that's listening to this podcast, and you lived in Rome, and you lived in the upper stories, you had a pot in your house that all of your garbage went into, so your food trash went in there and everything else, and you used the bathroom in that pot. Then when it came time to empty that pot, you just throw it out the window. I'm not joking. So they just, you better watch out walking down the streets of Rome, right? Because it's going to rain rubbish. (laughs) Scubalon. That's the word. (laughs) Scubalon. I hope. (laughs) That's what's in, that's what he's talking about here. I hope that Jay hasn't ruined anybody's breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) So Paul says all of your human works, like all the best you have for God Mm -hmm. is Scubalon. Okay. It's like what the Romans throw out the, throw out. It's worse than the cuss word yeah okay <laughs> yeah so, so there you right, have it so his righteousness is not based on anything that he's done he's because a, all no. of his all of his works are trash sco- trash <laughs> it's like yeah. sewage mixed with trash okay <laughs> so the righteousness the he righteousness said, that he has comes through faith in that's Christ. what he says he says he gives all that up it's all it's all that trash in order that i may gain christ mm-hmm. and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in christ the righteousness from god that depends on faith so right. a righteousness that he gives or bestows upon you which comes by faith alone mm-hmm. and this isn't new to paul it's not even new to habakkuk because right. Jeremiah talks about it also mm-hmm. um, in Jeremiah chapter 23. He says, Behold, the days are coming when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. We're talking about the Messiah, right? And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Mm-hmm. That's just picked up in the New Testament. Right, they just take that. They don't have to. They don't have to. Right, they're just saying Jesus is our righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's the righteousness of Christ that clothes us, and we're justified by faith in Christ. And God, yeah, gives us. He He takes our sin and puts it on Christ, and He takes Christ's righteousness and puts it on us. Yeah, yeah, you've got it. And this is um, this is what separates Christianity from every religion of the world. Mm. Every yeah. religion in the world is about you. Yeah, Christianity is about Christ. It's not about what you do. It's all about what he did. Mm-hmm. And it's not about human works. Um, it's not about justifying yourself before holy God, because you can't. Your best is what Paul says, and then Isaiah is even more nasty. <laughs> right? Right. So, <laughs> that, I mean, they want to get the message across. Right. You can't justify yourself yes. before a holy God. Right. Impossible. Yeah. Right. Um, what did uh, what did Whitfield say? You'd be more likely to climb to the moon on a rope of sand, mm. yeah, than justify yourself before holy God. Can't right. be done, right? Um, and this is the gospel, and God is making a clear, very explicit contrast. Those that are proud and upright, or their soul is puffed up, they cannot trust God in this way, because they're trusting themselves, Mm. and they're not upright before God. But the righteous live by faith. Mm. They're righteous only because of their faith in in God. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking yesterday, again, in community group, about sometimes you'll just be minding your own business, and a thought of something that you did 
in the past will pop into your mind. I don't mm. know if this ever happens to you, Jay, but right. every once in a while I'll just be minding my own business and all of a sudden I'll be thinking about some stupid thing I did in high school or college that yeah. it's and it's condemnation. Yeah. Like I feel guilty over these things. Uh, this really struck me yesterday as I was getting ready for uh, for church. Um it really is Christ alone. Mm-hmm. It really is and I think I think this is where people stumble. Mm-hmm. That we're proud. We think that we have to do something. It really is as simple as believing that Jesus cleanses you by His blood. Right. It really is that simple. Yeah. You, you, there's nothing that you can do to make it up to God. There's nothing you can do to you know try to make things right. Um, it is. It really is faith alone. In Christ alone, yeah, it really is. Yeah, that's right. That that is good news. It is. That yeah. is good news. All right. You know, the final contrast is between death and life, mm-hmm. and this is the that last line of verse four. Yeah, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Yeah. Um, something that that um hit me as I was listening to yesterday is what um, Leviticus 18.5 says. Okay. And this is picked up by Paul, Uh um, especially in Galatians. It says that, um, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them, says Uh the Lord. Right. So the contrast between the law and faith, which is what Paul picks up in Galatians, Uh is that if you want to keep the law, you have to live by the law. You have to Uh keep all of it. Right. Well, that's that's not what that's not what Habakkuk says here, right? Right. No, he he substitutes that with faith. Mm-hmm. That's how you live. Yeah. You live by faith. So Paul Paul emphasizes um, a part of Habakkuk, which kind of is about how do you enter into right living with God, right? Well, how does it begin? It begins by faith alone. Yeah. You go from unrighteous to righteous. And the writer of Hebrews quotes this and seems to be emphasizing another aspect, which is how do you keep on living in the world? Right. And you keep on living in the world the same way you began in in faith, yeah. right? So the way you began is the way you continue to live. And that's uh, what the writer of Hebrews gets at in Hebrews 10, 32 through 39. You, we've talked about it on here many times, and I'm sure we will coming up some more in Hebrews. Um, the world is a bad place. It's a tough place, and it was getting much worse for these Christians. The writer of the Hebrews was addressing persecution, suffering, and the temptation is to leave the faith. But the call is to persevere in faith. To, in faith. And Hebrews 10, 32 through 39, that's what he's doing. And then he quotes Habakkuk, mm-hmm. but my righteous one shall live by faith. And then the kind of, I think it's a, he can he kind of melds two together, a passage from Isaiah, I believe, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Uh, so saying, like, persevere in faith. That's how you live in this world, uh, and that's the call. Mm-hmm. So, and it, you know, if you put it in, take it back to the context of Habakkuk, there. There are actually, we use the term saved, there are saved, justified people, the Bible refers to them as like the believing remnant in Judah. Judah is messed up, but you still have people like Habakkuk there, 
Mm-hmm. You've got Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They're there, um, and many others. The believing remnant is there. Well, these this believing remnant is is righteous. They're in right standing with God because they're trusting in God's promises. And God gives them a big promise in 14, right? And so we can understand this promise is not just about what's going on in their world at this time. God will judge the Babylonians, but it's also about this greater thing God's doing in the world that centers on the Messiah. And they, they're they right with God. But now the question is, when your world collapses and the Babylonians come, they destroy everything, they destroy the temple, everything you think that you know is now undone, Right? Your world's spinning out of control. Like we can imagine what that would be like to have your whole every. Imagine if the U.S. was destroyed and you're walking through rubble now. Where last week you were just going about your life. How are you going to live in that world? Everybody, like most of the people you know, are dead, mm-hmm. and now you're a slave. <laughs> you're a slave in a foreign land. How are you going to live? How do you get up in the morning and don't just curl up in a ball and yeah. like want to die? Well, you get up in the morning, and you believe freshly um, anew the promises of God, and you put your faith in Him and Him alone. And we can see how that directly could apply to any situation we might encounter um, in our life. So that's that's what Habakkuk, or what Hebrews is kind of picking up on in that aspect of Habakkuk, is that's how you live in this world. All right. Well, anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) Anything you want to add? (laughs) No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you captured it all with Scoogle on. So, uh, (laughs) you ever see the pastors want to drop that S word? Uh, I'm like, just get a little more research, man, and you'll see. uh, Is that a a Mark Driscoll? You don't need to drop that because it's even worse than that. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So what uh, what do we got coming up, Jay? What do we got coming up in Habakkuk? Well, the next one's about judgment. Okay, and you know we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, I I don't want to preach like a downer sermon. <laughs> there's a there's a ray of hope in there, but man, uh-huh. it, you know I think it's. I was thinking about this. Demons tremble. Oh. Mm. Uh, I don't know any humans that tremble before holy God. Yeah. Maybe that's because we forgot that he judges. Mm. Yeah. So it's all it's all uh, five woes coming. Okay. It's all about judgment. The whole thing from is, here out to, to the end of this chapter is about judgment. Is this going to be your sinners in the hands of an angry God sermon? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. It probably will because it went over like a flop. The first time he preached it in his yeah. own church. Yeah. So I'm going to say yes. Okay. <laughs> so come in, come in with low expectations. Right. Okay. Right. Isn't that interesting though? Yeah. You preach it in his own church, and people oh, yeah. are like, "Nah, what is it? This is not that good a sermon. Right. Like nothing. There's nothing." Was that the church that fired him? I think so. Yeah. Okay. They had like a they had like a a sit in. Yeah. The, over the uh, pay, was it. Uh, was it paid? It wasn't paid. Okay. It was. It was uh, grandparents trying to bring in their grandchildren, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Their babies, uh-huh. baptizing their grandkids or something, right? And he was like, "No." I mean, 
<laughs> we, we don't have that. We don't have, we don't that, have issue. that issue. So. <laughs> and then the next time he preached, it was start, say, a revival. Right. Massive revival. It's almost as if it depends not upon the, the preacher, but upon right. God and yeah. his spirit. <laughs> yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, um, thank you for joining us today. Hopefully this has been uh, beneficial for you as we've been walking through a very important passage in uh, in Habakkuk, in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament. Um, this, is, this is something that we have to get right. If we don't get this right, we get the gospel wrong. So hopefully we have uh, helped bring a little bit of clarity to that. If you uh, have benefited from this, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. And uh, we will see you next time on Conformed Christ.